0: Today we'll speak of place. We've been speaking of Anna Akhmadova, Joseph Brodsky, who both come from St. Petersburg. Akhmadova went abroad for the first time to Europe at the age of 21 and she said, and I was quite prepared to meet the ninth and last wave of my fate. She famously wrote a poem titled The City Beloved by Mason's Childhood. The city beloved by Mason's childhood seemed to me today in its December silence like my squandered inheritance. Everything that came easily that was so easy to give away. Burning emotions, the sound of prayers and the blessing of the first song. Everything flew off like transparent smoke. Her life was defined partially by time in place <clears throat> in a place of beauty history and then argument turning into the warfare of World War I often called the Great War, World War II and then the the period of Stalin. Interestingly, the day she died was the day in a different year in which Stalin died. The Narcissus at her place of death, carried by her, her beloved friend, Nyman, are a symbol for us, not only of that time, but of the moments of our own lives, my childhood, my youth, my middle years, my years now as an elder. The memory of this from anyone who should hear these words in years to come, oh, Narcissus. They bloomed freely in the regions of my birth and childhood. Various kinds of daffodils, bulbs in the Narcissus family, different kinds of daffodils, bloom all across the eastern seaboard of North America. The white narcissus, which are small and the most highly fragranced, do not bloom so easily in the area where I was born. It's a bit too cold for them in the long winters of history. So to be able to grow them or to force them in water, with stones, or in earth, in pots, in a household in the wintertime, whether in Russia or the Soviet Union, or the many names of the region, Leningrad, St. Petersburg, where the small cabin beloved by Peter the Great sits near the Neva River, where Akhbarnov was called the Queen of the Neva, where I have walked, I have behind me a framed fan, a beautiful painted fan, from the Hermitage the Museum in St. Petersburg. <clears throat> in the day I purchased it several years ago, walking out, I've told this story before, it would have been difficult for me to walk way across the parkway to where the taxis were lining up, because the areas all around the Hermitage were closed. A festival was going to take part that evening and everything was closed. So I regarded visually the area I would have to walk and a young couple saw me and were aware that it would be difficult for me and that the distance I would have to walk might be painful. And so they stopped and asked me if they could escort me about half the distance to where they could stop a taxi on the main street, the main thoroughfare, and speak to the driver in Russian or Ukrainian or another language from one of the regions of this Occidental Oriental region of our world. And they did so. They were engaged to be married. The man took my arm. <clears throat> we had a splendid conversation the whole way. And it probably took them half an hour out of their way. They were, they were walking to have dinner. They were in the fullness of their relationship as fiancés. It was a splendid experience, unforgettable. And so we were walking in the region of St. Petersburg, Most beloved to Joseph Brodsky. We were in a place most beloved by him. At that time, many years after he first walked that same square, quite some years after he had been exiled from that square and that whole region of the world, some years since his death. Those various points of time allow us to contemplate in our heart of hearts and our soul this moment into the next breath, eternity. Ah, yes. The soul of Akhmadova. The soul of Stalin. The soul of Brodsky the soul of oneself, you, myself. When we bring together the presence of place and eternity, and we offer that place in our heart, soul, and geography, through our breath, to God, whatever we call him or her or that, An ineffable state occurs, the Holy Grail within us, which can contain blessing, which can serve the direction of eternity here. And so when we address with intention eternity here, everywhere, The present moment enlightens itself. The silence which becomes the next bird song of the next moment, minute, hour of the day becomes our path. And whatever transpires through our temporal bodies, the parts of us that were conceived and were born and live and will die those aspects are serving then heaven on earth I am here and somehow connected to everywhere I am in this moment next breath in eternity and it is revealed to us in the humility of this receptacle of our heart and soul, that we receive willingly our path, composed of God, whatever you call him, her, that, and oneself. When this is willingly embodied in any moment, of eternity, as life. Enlightenment, the phrase so commonly used in the Buddha's path, enlightenment begins within us. We begin to experience ourselves of light, of the still point the silence into sound. And then, moving through us as breath, the Holy of Holies presents itself. Shall we serve this? Shall we represent this? Shall we be of this? So place. I attended an event last week of a beautiful concert, a young woman pianist was playing a piece, a piano concerto, written by Clara Schumann many years ago. When she was 13 years old, she commenced writing this. And she was a child prodigy and a virtuoso. And the young woman playing the piece was magnificent. And beside her, behind her, sat a gentleman playing the cello. He was so present with the pianist and the conductor, sitting before them. My experience was of him becoming incandescent. And I was aware, well, this is a word that is like a light, something Lighting, something alit. He had turned to the candle flame of heaven on earth. The expressions on his mature face, the sentiment moving all through him as a human being, was beyond any violence which has ever been, is now will ever be. Blaine commented to me that the cello appeared to be of mahogany, such a sound. John was familiar with the piece of music. All of us were in a place, playing, listening, receiving, something a girl-woman had written over a century ago, played during a week of celebrations of women in music. Yet my references are to three men, the cellist, the beloved men attending the concert with me, Who are we beyond all violence? Can we practice eternity every moment as the breath of life, receiving eternity through our history, having recapitulated willingly our past, turning from the places of, well, he did, well, she said, well, that was wrong. Well, I well, you know me. I spoke of the qualities of argument about the future of the Earth, the anguish, what will happen. There's a, currently a large conference occurring in Egypt during the period of this this course. World leaders are discussing. Seeking, working together, and bickering. Surely the world will be destroyed. Surely what we come from is not enough. Surely who we are and what we do and have is not enough. And so it must be catastrophic. But that is if we fight over power and greed and only remember and possess and address our scars. Am I not alive, breathing, in the light of the day, in the sound of the song of the bird, of this morning, Are not you? What is the light and bird song of God doing through your heart of hearts and mine through our souls that is eternal, that is of where we come from in time, as we are in the place of each of our physical bodies, our physical incarnations, wherever you are? I am sitting in North Texas now as we speak. Pond tree in the backyard, a willow tree at each of the two sides of the house, mesquite and pine trees and crepe myrtles in front. In the mid to late afternoon of the autumn. The direction then is toward the secret of secrets of God. And in my next breath, I am willing that eternity move through me in this place. Just as I spoke of Brodsky to the young couple, so that I might give reverence to his and my love for one another as a remembrance, as an elder blessing for Joseph in heaven, and Beth who was walking in St. Petersburg on earth that summer day. When we act from the purity of eternity to the best of our ability beyond any harm toward oneself or any other human being, to the best of our ability, beyond harm to any other being or aspect of creation. When we take a breath and address receiving eternity in this moment, in this place of our own incarnation, harmoniously being at peace with the history beyond all scarring of who you have been or I have been, or others have been, and I turn toward eternity as the next moment and the next and the next. I turn toward eternity as my direction. I begin to have revealed to me the mystery that so fulfills the hearts and souls and cells of the bodies of the poets. The bodies of the composers of music. The bodies of the lyricists who had words. Oh, the light. That, that morning I started to hear birdsong and compose that song and then I wrote these words. Well, you are that person too. Beyond all scars. Letting the birdsong of your path move through you having the courage to forsake all violence and to address heaven on earth, allowing the next moment of eternity to arise through yourselves, from your heart of hearts and souls, and then embody what on heaven am I to do? on earth then when brodice is gone remembering him becomes a very distinctive experience respectful real humble akmarafa peaceful a profound witness to her age to time from a place that they are very defined by. In your heart of hearts and soul, in this moment and from your conception all the way to your death, what is the nature of place for you as you allow yourself to receive eternity in your heart of hearts, your soul, your breath? Part of it is mysterious, part is self-evident. Oh, I am here today, here this moment. This is the place in which I am dwelling, sitting, resting, working, walking. Allow time and place to come together. This moment, this place, eternity and your heart of hearts, and your soul in your body. Be aware of allowing dignity or self-respect for that place within you. Be aware of willingness toward entering the next moment and eternity beyond all strife, beyond... Justifying yourself as victim or predator, beyond justifying scars received or given. I'm so wounded. I'm a horrible person. You're not that wounded. You're not that horrible a person. Who are you within that armored shell? Who are you? Who am I? How do I, like the willow tree, bend to receive eternity, no scars, this moment? Oh yes, I have the discernment of memory of what I have undergone, but I need to integrate that so that I can pay attention to eternity into all that I am from my conception to this moment so that I might free up and fulfill all that I might be from this moment into eternity going forward. One of the qualities that happens with place and time at this argument in the world is there's a great deal of disdain for things which are not enough, people will not feel that they've attained enough, possessed enough, make enough money, have enough power and greed. And if the attention is more appropriately on a truthful, balanced way forward, the quality of the material plane of making one's living starts to come into a different perspective the quality of experience starts to come into a different perspective. Then if a person asks one, where have you been? What do you own? We can answer back, oh, I was at the mountain, it really is very beautiful. And if the person is asking qualities about status and possession and, you know, who are you in power and greed, no one really, no one. even father thomas keating taught some of his longtime students the concept that one studies to become a saint and that is the beginning and then one studies to become no one it's just just you it's just me look at the mountain this day the sunrise the vibrant sun or the cloudy day, the sunset. Hear the bird song. What a day we have had. God's mountain, God's son or daughter or person, you and I, we meet in eternity then. In our heart of hearts and our soul and in our incarnations, we begin to know what to do, how we are to go forward. I want to turn to several other people for images of plays. There was a gentleman named John Sassel. He was a physician in England, and someone named John Berger wrote a book about him called A Fortunate Man some years ago. And then a woman named Molly, Polly Moreland, wrote a book called A Fortunate Woman, finding a woman doctor in England just before the pandemic and writing a book about her working in the very same valley, the late physician, the middle-aged woman physician, a valley deep in the rural aspects of England, physicians, writers, photographers, and patients, from two different times, yet the place of one valley in one nation. Another book I've been reading is called The Shepherd's Life by James Rebanks. His family has been for several hundred years up in the western areas of the Lake District of England. And he notes that the terrain is so small of their valley that one shepherd or farmer can hear the animals and calls from another shepherd across the valley. The the terrain his family has walked upon. The place is not very large in terms of our concepts of world travel and how much land do you own and how big is your apartment? When he was in school, in what we call our middle school years here in the United States, he and friends prided themselves on breaking apart instruments from their science labs and causing distress, seemingly innocently but actually very intentionally, until they caused their teacher to, to cry. And then one day he had the realization of the importance of the life he came from. That he was not interested in moving to a large city or another nation, but that everything in him called him in that incandescent moment where the light of God, the light of heaven rose up from within him and from heaven to meet. And all of a sudden he experienced a quality of eternity in relationship to place, the place of his family's valley. Where is that place for you? Where is a place that just allows a spiritual touchstone for your heart of hearts, your soul, your breath now? in sentimental remembrance of that place, in allowing yourself to cherish that place just within your emotions and your thoughts, your longings, your history, your plans, possibly. How might that place always represent eternity for you? And how might the place where you are this day, this next breath, also represent eternity for you? If we take a person like the Buddha, Gautama Siddhartha, or the Japanese poet Basho, who was famous for walking in his later years across these various world paths throughout Japan, these two men Somehow, walked with eternity everywhere. Their their steps took them. The concept in Buddhism, Jainism, Hinduism, certain other related uh, aspects of religions from Asia and the Middle East, across the into the South Pacific those cultures and traditions hold, spiritually and culturally, that wherever that wise man or woman stepped, eternity blessed the earth there. Eternity moved through the heart and soul and breath of that man or woman or person into everything and everyone. And we might find a stone carved with the footsteps. Oh, that guru. Oh, this is where that sage stood and then sat in deep meditation. Oh, this is his footprints at the grave of Issa in the Himalayas. He is buried here after walking here from Jerusalem. His grave is painted green. The Muslim people standing with him as a sage figure, a saintly or sagely figure of holiness or wisdom, as part of their heritage, have painted it the green color, very much at the center of respectful actions in the artistry of beauty in the Islamic faith place eternity all of our past coming together so that our heart of hearts our soul turns heavenward to receive that grail cup of eternity as the human race addresses in its heart of hearts how then shall I and we and God in all of his or her names and ways with this beautiful, beautiful earth and this childlike human race and all creatures upon this Gaia earth and all of creation, how then shall we face eternity in this moment as we create our pathways going home? From Anna Akmarava Lead, lead me under the linden canopy Always kind to my free idleness, to the shore of the lake, the quiet slope of the hills. And again I will see the carpet of thick meadows, and a decrepit handful of trees in the bright valley, and the familiar picture of gilded shores, and in the quiet lake, amidst gleaming ripples, the proud flock of tranquil swans. Who knows where the time goes, who knows where the time goes.